Hello, 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 and you're so welcome to the Neves Nuggets podcast. With this podcast, I am hoping to just share a little bit of myself on a weekly basis. It will be topics that will just be plucked out of the air or what's coming up for me or certain topics that I see out there for other people coming up. It will be my story in relation to them, how I help to work through them, and I'll even have some guests speakers on to talk about how they dealt with it and it will all be very flowy it's going to be very fun and exciting it's not going to be very serious but we will go through every topic imaginable there is nothing we can't touch on this podcast and I just cannot wait to enjoy this journey with you so stay tuned listen in and I'll talk to you all soon Welcome back to Neve's Nuggets podcast. I hope everybody had a beautiful Christmas and a gorgeous new year. And yeah, I'm just here with a little energy update along with a little bit of a chat about my journey with my womb space. So I am firstly going to talk about the energy update for the messages that I've been getting for the last few weeks and really that are going to probably go up until March. So for many of us, you know, we've come into the new year, new year, new me kind of energy. And don't get me wrong, I'm definitely feeling it. I've definitely felt a shift. My body just wants to do everything and anything. But at the same time, I'm actually exhausted and I keep being called to rest. So for many, you might be feeling like you you want to do a lot of stuff, right? But you can't figure out what, you don't feel like you have the energy for it, you're trying to pack too much into one day, you don't know where to go next with your journey, whatever it is, this is okay. You might be struggling to get into practices or a routine and this is the energy that's going on right now. And really what we are being told is that 2023 is going to be the year of physically embodying everything we have learned, healed, dealt with over the last two to three years. So we are being asked to start looking after our physical body better, looking at it on a deeper level, working with it, loving it, not forcing it, looking after it, you know, both on a health level and a spiritual level or a healing level, right? But we don't want to go too quickly with this. So like a seed, so if you planted your daffodils during October or November, you'll start noticing that you're seeing like little little things sprout at the beginning or you've noticed that they're starting to sprout a little bit. We're in that mode right now. So we know like the flower that we're going to bloom and be huge and beautiful and pretty and be everything we want to be. But right now we're in this very little place of like just taking our time because what we want to do is bring ourselves to a space where we have so deeply buried our roots, but slow, slowly taken our times to cultivate these practices or this health routine that really, really supports us. And what you're probably seeing a lot in the collective right now is like everybody's sick, right? Everybody has caught everything. This isn't something we need to worry about in terms of... um getting sick the reason we get sick is because we're not listening when you get sick what is the thing you do 
you rest, you look after yourself, you put loads of vitamins in your body, you probably eat better than you ever have, you move lightly, you listen to yourself, whatever it is, right? Our bodies sometimes are more susceptible to being sick because we're not looking after ourselves correctly. We're not listening. We're not resting. So a lot of people right now, probably because we wanted to all celebrate during Christmas, I mean, I was there with you, because we were all out meeting everybody, we probably weren't really listening to ourselves when we were in a situation that we weren't okay with or putting ourselves in with relatives that we don't feel comfortable with. So our bodies get sick from that because they don't feel like we're being they're being listened to. And we're being called to look after ourselves. So over the next few weeks, particularly for January, it's about, yes, bringing in all of these practices like maybe going back to the gym, maybe starting yoga, I'm taking up pole dancing. Um, you know, it's bringing all that stuff in, eating better for yourself, but also listening to the body and not forcing yourself into the gym when you don't want to go. If you're tired and your body is saying sleep, to sleep. If it's saying lie down for a week, lie down for a week. It's very much learning to really hone in and embody what's going on. And through working with our physical body, we're going to bring all of this healing work and meditation into the body. Because for the last two to three years, that's what we've done. We've been healing by using these things that not necessarily external to ourselves, but bring us to a different vibration, which is amazing. But we're doing it from like a spiritual soul level. We're not actually embodying it or we're not fully embodying it all the time. And that's why our bodies feel like they want to go, but also feel like they want to like lie down. (laughs) So what I would say is for the first part of January, just take it very slow. You might not want to get out of bed today. Don't get out of bed. (laughs) You know, it might take you a while. You may not have gone to the gym all week. I mean, I'm trying to get a more nice practice in with the gym. But I mean, I went once last week because my body couldn't do it. And then it's looking at that like, well, why does my body give up after a day when I used to do so much movement? Well, it's because I work different hours now. It's because my body isn't used to getting up as early as I used to. All of these different things. And I can work around those and I can I can learn from my own body how to adjust things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe like when to eat or when I should get up and take breaks when I need fresh air in the room. So yeah, I just wanted to really share that because I know a lot of people right now are struggling um, with this whole thing of not feeling the whole new year, new me thing. And Instagram is rampant with it right now. Um, and for me, you know, I'm really seeing this net, like from March onwards, we're going to have such a big trajectory of joy and pleasure. And this is going to also be body, you know, in body practices, whether it's self-pleasure or movement or just simply lying down on the floor for five minutes, whatever it is, it's going to be really beneficial for us when March comes in. Because if we can be in the body at all times, we don't need these rigid practices to get us there. We're just naturally able to do that. And it takes practice and it takes time. So yeah, I hope that little energy update has really helped um, with any of you who are feeling a bit lost at the moment. Um, And even for those who are running a million miles an hour, just be careful. Remember to just sit back and really listen to your body and see if that's what it wants because it might do 
It might not though. We might be in force and we don't want to be in force. We want to be in love and flow and empowered action. Um, so yeah, I just thought I would share a little bit of that. So then we're today we're going to talk about um, my endometriosis journey. So my my lovely kind of journey with my womb space. So for many of you out there probably don't know that I've endometriosis and that I've struggled for very long, a very long time. I also realized that I actually don't speak about it a lot on social media. I speak about it in like little bits, but I don't actually actually speak about it that often. And for many, they don't realize that that's the journey I have been on. Um, And it's why womb healing and the tantric practices are so big for me as a person, because for so long, my relationship with my womb space was completely off. Um, I didn't understand how to relate with my womb space, along with not only knowing how to relate to my womb space, sex wasn't always pleasurable to me um, because there was also pain there. So I will also have a separate, a separate episode on, you know, my eating disorders and other things that came up for me. My second last podcast or third last podcast actually, Ignite, is all about the sexuality and the sacred sexuality and what's coming through because Ignite is actually going to bring that to others. That's the whole point of that program. But with this one, I'm solely going to speak actually about my womb space and my journey with endometriosis. And it was a very long journey. (laughs) I remember getting my first period in when I was 12. No, I wasn't. I was 14. Excuse me. I was 14 and I got it the day before my uncle's wedding, which was always enjoyable. And it was a painful experience. I mean, I think most schools or most women experience pain in their first ever period. I'm not sure. But for me, it was quite painful. And, you know, my mom's like, it's okay. That's very normal. It's, you know, that happens because it's your first one. Your body's not sure what's going on. So, you know, you just take their word for it. And you don't see anything more about it. And there's no real initiation into it. You know, I was very excited that my body was doing this new thing. And I'd I'd been craving for my period to come for so long. And I was so excited when it happened. And I was kind of very much like hush hush. Like you could speak about it, but not speak about it. And I mean, as a teen, or particularly as a child, when something new happens for you, you want to talk about it all the time because you're trying to understand what's going on. You're trying to understand, you're excited, you're like, I don't really understand what's going on with my body, this is new to me. And to kind of have that almost, not fully shut down, but very much like, it has to be on the hush-hush, you're driving me mad, like, don't speak about that in front of X, Y and Z. That's when the first initial part of the shame comes in of like, okay, I can't speak about this, this is not safe. And you're taught that in school as well, like they separate boys out from girls when they have this talk. And even though they might teach girls, like I know in being in an all girls school, they taught us about the male anatomy, but from a very scientific level, but also it's always out there. Like you hear about wanking and male masturbation and all that from a very young age, whereas anything to do with the female, even with women, we weren't hearing anything. So if we as girls weren't being told, I can sure as hell tell you that the lads weren't being told and the basics of what they were being told was almost frightening to them. And it wasn't normalized because it's not spoken about. 
And that was kind of my first experience with it. And then, of course, you know, my periods then continued on. And each one was just as painful as the first. They never really regulated for me. Um, I always really had quite a lot of pain. And when I mean pain, I mean to the extent where, like, to be quite brutally honest, I felt like somebody was shoving a knife up my arsehole and up my vagina all at the same time while pulling one across my abdomen. Like, I was in crucial pain all the time. And I would get headaches, I would get nausea, I would feel sick, my legs would lose all feeling, I would faint, I would collapse, I would have hot sweats. Hot water bottles may or may not help, I have to have my feet covered at all times. Um, They couldn't get cold or somebody would have to sit in them because I couldn't deal with socks on. Um, I'd be in bed with my legs elevated, two lots of paracetamol and two lots of Nurofen every four hours because Feminax was useless anybody else who used that and it worked for them fair fucks too because it never worked for me um and that's what I would have that's what it would have to be for me and that was every month every cycle and I would be sent home from school if it was on a school day I wouldn't get out of the bed um it was always very very painful and this was normalized like you would see it in the corridors, women, girls getting their period in school and coming up, we all look like drug dealers, like do you have any painkillers? Because none of us would go to the office because even the women in the office would be like, oh, that's normal. You don't need a painkiller for that. Because they wouldn't have to want to write out the sheets that they would have to to say that they gave you one. And yeah, it was just, it was very interesting now that I look back on it, at just how there was no wonder we became so resentful of our of our periods um because like they were hidden and they were an inconvenience because I was in so much pain like I couldn't get to school I didn't want to be missing days you know or I couldn't go out with friends or you know whatever it was there was always something and I became resentful which probably didn't help so just as I decided to go to uni, um, when I went over to the UK, obviously, they're a little bit more open about sexual health there. Um, I found anyway, coming from my own background here in Ireland. And somebody said to me, like, the healthcare here is free. Like, you know, you could go in every day of the week to get an SCI check if you wanted to. Like, it's not expensive um, up until the age of 25. And they're like, why don't you start getting yourself looked at? And for the first while, I kind of didn't. You know, I was just registered. But... As I came into second and third year of uni, the pain started getting worse. And it was no longer just during my my first day of my period. It was actually now the whole week of my period. And it had started to increase to every week. I eventually ended up on two lots of 500 milligrams of paracetamol and two 500 milligrams of Nurofen every four hours. So I would take paracetamol and then two hours later I'd take Nurofen, then two hours later I'd take paracetamol and two hours later. Um, and then when they realised that would be destroying the inline, this lining of my stomach, they put me on anti-nausea tablets um, and then eventually on to diaphene suppositories, which as great of an idea as that was, when I was in pain, like I had described earlier, trying to stick something up your bum, bum hole, sorry to be explicit, 
is is not ideal, right? <laughs> it's just it's not it's not comfortable. It's not necessarily the first experience you ever want to have with that. Um, and that's what I was on, and I could be found anywhere. It was really hard to get to class. It was, you know, I found alcohol was probably the only thing that numbed a lot of the pain. Um, and now looking back on it, I can see where the trauma had come out and where the trauma was stored from because I, I was raped in university as well, which is another episode I'll talk about. Um, and when that happened, now that I can see it, I can see that all of these chain of events, the endometriosis took off even more back then. And yeah, it just, it was so difficult and the doctor eventually put me forward to go and have my laparoscopy done but I had actually moved home because I had graduated by the time that came in and to kind of get over there to um stay to get everything done the procedure it was just going to be far too expensive at the time for me when I had gone to my doctor here in Ireland she was like look we can get you on one really quickly you know we can start you um, on something now we can manage the pain without you having to go for surgery straight away so I decided against it now I'd been put on the pill in uni to try and help with this pain and that was the most interesting part because I'm I'm only allowed to be on a progesterone only pill which means that I stopped my periods completely but I was still getting this pain at all times um yeah, like particularly, I, I would still know when my period was supposed to be due because of how painful I was. it was. I didn't have my period for years. So when I came home, I didn't want to be on the pill anymore and I needed something a bit more for myself. And I was put on the Depo-Provera Depo injection, um, which I would take every three months. And again, I would get no periods. And the pain somewhat subsided at that point. Um, I was still getting it during my period but the the long-term pain had kind of gone it wasn't completely gone because I'd still get flare-ups throughout the month but it wasn't as bad as it used to be and I could actually manage getting through life fast forward a few years later I'd been to several smear tests in Hollis Street um which if any of the women listening to this have ever been to Hollis Street for any of this stuff they'll understand how Hollis Street takes so long to diagnose you um, I couldn't afford to go to the guy in the beacon who had the expertise in this field so I was left on the public you know the public reg register for it and eventually after several smear tests and several samples they took from me they decided to send me for a laparoscopy um, and I was 23 at the time and I went in now as I said, the Depo-Provera injection had to be taken every three months. And unfortunately, it had to be run out of my system before I could go for my surgery. So what this meant was that I couldn't take my three-month injection when I needed to because we weren't sure if it would have been out of my system enough for when I went for surgery. Whereas with the pill, you probably could have just stopped the month before or a few weeks before. I couldn't do that. So with that, I obviously had to come off it. And by the time I was going in for my surgery, I was having flare-ups left, right and centre. I'd had periods, I all of it. And I was really not great. And eventually 
I'd done a lot of research in the background for a lot of this for myself and I was like there's something just not right here like I just they're telling me I have all the symptoms of endometriosis I'm telling them it's on my bowel they're like we don't think it is I know my body and they went in anyway to check my bowel and obviously my womb space but I was too inflamed for them to get too close to anything so they couldn't laser anything out so when I came around, um, there was a conversation with the nurse and she was like, we can go back in in a few months or a year's time, depending how long the waiting list is. Um, or you have other options. And I was like, oh, fantastic. I have some other options. One option is to get pregnant and to have a baby. Which doesn't guarantee anything because you can still end up with endometriosis afterwards. It just gives your body a nine month rest, which that's technically what the injection was supposed to be doing. You can have your womb space removed or you can go into early menopause. We can put you into a false menopause. And at 23, obviously I'd done my research and I just turned to this nurse and I was like, so my options are to have a child at 23 where I will no doubt have to end up relying on the state to get a house for my child to look after this child because I was like I'm the eldest of five kids <laughs> like it's very unfair for me to ask that of my parents Um, I don't have a job that's well paid enough right now so I'd have to give up my studies of wanting to become at the time a solicitor and I was like and along with my master's degree that I was doing so I was like so you want me to give all that up to have a baby to maybe make sure that this works and she looked at me and then I went okay and so like Another option was to put me into false menopause. I was like, which I don't know if you know this, if you try to reverse, may not reverse on all women. Or if it is reverse, could still put them into an earlier menopause at a later date. And she just sat there and she looked at me and I went, and your third one, I was like, okay, for a woman who may have endometriosis within her womb space, maybe removing it might assist her. But I was like, mine is currently growing on my bowel which means that you remove my womb space, I still have hormones in my pineal gland, which means that every month they're still going to release and they're still going to agitate the endometriosis sitting on my bell. So how is removing my womb ever going to, ever going to help? And she sat there and she had no answers. She had absolutely no answers for me. And I didn't mean to have a go at this nurse. I'm very aware that she's only doing what she knows. But they were coming to a 23-year-old with these only options. And I was like, there has to be a better way. And this was when I really started looking into the research of more of a holistic approach of like diet, exercise, um, looking after the body. I wasn't necessarily looking after maybe my stress levels. But what I was looking after was other forms of it and kind of really managing my period and knowing when it was coming and having stuff with me um, and again at this point I was still quite irregular so I actually went back on the depot injection and from there started looking after my food I came off gluten for a while um, I started exercising more and then this is where it kind of led into me then wanting to go into bodybuilding but again that will be a separate podcast but throughout that time I was able to manage it a lot better and it was really becoming clear that there was a relationship between movement and nutrition. 
what I didn't realize was I was actually doing other work in the background that I didn't even know I was doing. And from here, I do believe that this was one of the big knock-on effects to where I've ended up now. And from there, obviously, as I said, ended up in the gym, ended up working with it. But I was still on the injection. So even though I had alleviated those symptoms that happened throughout being on the injection, I wasn't sure if I would ever actually be able to do it without the injection. And it was about two or three years later, I think I was about 26, 27, when I started listening to a podcast. Um, it was the Shameless Sex podcast, but then I ended up in one with what her name is, is Meg Squats. Um, and there was a powerlifting one that I was listening to. And I used to love listening to those kind of podcasts and the research between lifting. And they started talking about tracking your cycle and about how you shouldn't lift. So it was very much in a lifting perspective and lifting weights and being stronger, but it was cycle syncing in just a very different way. And they were talking about like, you should never do your heaviest lift on your, when you're coming up to your period, you're your strongest at either this date or this date, trial it for yourself. So I started at that point looking at my cycle. Um, but from only that perspective, not from another holistic approach, it was very much from wanting to build more muscle. And as time went on, they had somebody on talking about the Depravera injection because it had been detected in one or two powerlifters and is actually a steroid. Not for that reason, but whatever is in it for your menstrual cycle can be classified as a steroid if it comes up in your blood. And there was a big thing about this and I was listening to it and I was like, I was not aware that this injection was anyway a steroid. I was not aware of the information that they gave me about the Depo-Vivara injection. Anything I'd ever looked at from the doctor's perspective, the doctor was like, yeah, it's safe. It's just like the pill. You'll be fine. And some of the stuff that they said to me was really terrifying. Like some women had come off and were never able to bear children because they were on it so long. Um. So at that point, I was like, no, it's now time for me to come off this. And Liam and I had recently gone into a relationship um, and... I decided, yeah, no, I'm I'm coming off this now. So it takes six months for the injection, apparently, to fully run out of your system. And six months from the date that I stopped using it, I got my first period. And whoa, boy, that wasn't, <laughs> that was, that was hard. And again, every month this period would come and I would be agonized. And just not only that, though, but like sex was painful, you know, it was sore and as much as I loved pleasure and I'm into BDSM myself it, it's a different type of pain and from there obviously along with that and the depression I was going through and the bad time and then COVID I just when I started working with my old mentor Claire I just said to her I was like I really need something more there's something more here and it's not just down to my nutrition and my exercise I was like, there is something more. And we dove into it through a shamanic session. There is definitely generational stuff there. There's ancestral stuff. There is shame. There is fear. Um, there is lack of trust in my womb space. And from there, I really started with this proper menstrual cycle thinking where I was like really looking at it, looking at where I was at, what was coming up for me that month. The more I healed, the more the pain started to subside. I realized that I wasn't grounding, you know, I, I very much live in my top three chakras. 
So grounding has been a big thing for me, getting into baths or water. And from there, I really started to heal. I could really feel this change in my body and in my menstrual cycle. And but the biggest lesson for me was actually to stop identifying with it. So I was part of a lot of Facebook groups and don't get me wrong, they're really amazing for support and anyone going through anything, I definitely feel reach out and find some of the groups for yourself. They're very supportive. But what I was finding was I was very much in a victim mentality of like, I can't do anything. This is what I have for life. I won't be able to do X, Y and Z. And through this healing journey, what I've learned is what you say to yourself is so big. It's very, very crucial that we speak to ourselves in a very loving way, but also in a very responsible way. Like I am the creatrix of my life and I'm very aware of it. And I stopped saying I have endometriosis and started saying the words I had. I no longer do. I no longer have endometriosis sitting in my system. I no longer want to identify as somebody who didn't get the appropriate treatment because yes I didn't and I can really see that now but it's a flawed system it has always been a flawed system and we as women haven't helped ourselves by telling people that pain is normal we've done it because it's easier for us but pain isn't normal it's it shouldn't be normalized it should have never been normalized and we do it because we don't want to put anyone out. We don't want to look like we're drama queens or we're causing trouble. And I know so many women who've literally been told that they're absolutely crazy, that the pain doesn't exist. And I've had that. I've been made feel like that, like my body isn't safe. That I can't trust what I'm feeling in my body because it's not real. You're making it up or everybody has it. So just get over it. You just have a very low pain threshold, which I am very aware isn't true. I have a very high pain threshold. So there is a lot that came with this journey through endometriosis. And what I will say is that it's not perfect. It really isn't. Um, I had a really bad one there back in November. But I also now can see where I was out of alignment. I had gone through a lot of healing. A lot of witch wounds had come up at that point. Sister wounds. Um, a lot of feminine wounds, let's say. Um, not necessarily sister sisters, but I mean like women collectively um a lot of that came up at the time you know my nervous system was all over the place I was about to move out of my job there was fear I hadn't been looking after my body I hadn't been looking after what I was eating and that has such a massive impact on me so I can hold my hands up and say I know what I was doing didn't help and I'm really only properly on this journey two years my body has held this endometriosis since the day I was born so yes, the healing is going to take longer than maybe going in to get laser on it. But the problem with laser is that it grows back for most people. And I am here as a leader to help guide women through this. This is where womb sense has come from. This is part of where Ignite has come from, is to really take back our power. And the reason we're all getting so ill and the womb spaces of women are getting so ill is because we forgot our power, we're suppressing it. And when you suppress something for long enough, it begins to leak or it begins to rupture. 
and that's what's happening within our system so for me it's been a really amazing journey and it's only actually even just talking in this podcast so much has just flowed through of memories that I I completely have forgotten about actually of things that went on for me during my journey with this and I want you to know anyone out there who is suffering particularly with anything to do with the womb space is I am here you are not crazy your feelings, your emotion, your pain is valid and it's felt and the pain is not normal and if you feel like you need to reach out with out to somebody or you need to work with somebody on it, do it. It will be the best thing that you've ever done. Do your research, look things up, feel into your own body what is going on maybe set up a past life regression. I've had a few women come to me for past life regressions and it's been really potent. And actually now it's dropping in, you know what? I'm going to start offering them for the womb space. Um, I'm going to start offering them for women to come back and see what's going on in their womb space. Um, And let's do this. Let's connect back to our wombs. And another thing I really love to bring in with clients is... um the red tent initiation so we really need to start changing how we talk about periods as women I know so many people who resent their periods and I get it (laughs) believe me (laughs) I get it (laughs) but we need to take back that power our periods are something beautiful they're just so incredibly beautiful and powerful and I heard something on a podcast a while ago where they spoke about how women were sent away every month in tribes to have periods together because it was shameful. That is actually untrue. We were fed that. That, that, that information is untrue. Women, all synced usually in tribes, would be sent or would go to a what we call a red tent every month And what they would sit in there and do would be initiate the new bleeders or the new women into this red tent. They would sit in ritual. They would look after each other. They would massage each other. They would wash each other's hair. They would think ahead and fill into the energy. They would do spiritual rituals, magic. That's what they used to do in those tents. And the men would look after the camp for that week. They would hunt, look after the children, clean the camp, whatever it was, or the community. That's what men were supposed to do. There's some cultures where men used to bathe in menstrual blood before a fight or put it on their faces because it was known as power. So when we hear all these mixed messages about how dirty or shameful periods seem to be, we need to say no. There is nothing wrong with this beautiful, gorgeous, natural thing that's happening in our bodies. (laughs) We lay in it for nine months while we were being born, while we were being built as a human, as we grew. It was our first bed. (laughs) It was the first pillow we had. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, ew, I don't care. That's exactly what it was for quite some time. It protected us. It's protection. It protects the womb. It protects the egg. So it can attach and it can grow into a beautiful being. So 
I just want the narrative to change on how we speak about it. I want us to speak more openly about it and I really feel I need to. I haven't been, I don't know why, but I will. I'll speak more about it and I want to bring women through these initiations. I've brought a few through it already. This meditation of going into the red tent together. This is why I I love women's circles because we can bring each other together in this space and initiate each other through these red tents and remember that we are powerful and we are beautiful and everything our body does is perfect particularly bleeding once a month to shed once a month is so beautiful and so many of us from such a young age stopped it through using the pill and using artificial means to not get pregnant it's all I seem to hear is like oh but I don't want to get pregnant stick a condom on then (laughs) or track your cycle through temperature checking through natural cycles or an app or even yourself start to learn what ovulation looks like in your body what it feels like when you can when you know it's safe when you don't know it's safe there's so much methods out there that can really help people and I just want you to know that I'm here for all of it let's have a chat let's see what's going on let's work on this if I can't help I'll send you to one of my many beautiful female friends who work so deeply with the womb space are so connected with it as well like we're all here to help each other we're all here together so yeah I just hope everybody got a little something out of this and my endo journey is not over but with maybe full western medicine I think right now it is and I can't wait to give you more information on this as my journey continues but for right now I'm sending you all some love I hope you have a beautiful day and I'll speak to you soon. Hello, beautiful beings. I hope you're enjoying this podcast episode and I'm so grateful that you found this episode to listen to and I hope you're really enjoying it. And if you are at the end of the episode, I would love if you could just give it a review on Spotify, share it on Instagram, share it to some of your friends, family, whoever you think might resonate with it or may need to hear the message that's in it today. I'm also interrupting this little podcast to bring to you some information on my current offerings. I am currently working on not only a one-to-one basis, but also on a group basis at the moment under Spiral with Neve. And we have a few different offerings that one might resonate with you. I'm currently offering one-to-one healing sessions online and in person with Reconnect. And Reconnect is my new offering where we will go through energy work or breath work. Maybe you feel like you need some past life regression therapy. Whatever it is that's coming up for you in the space, I have a healing modality for you. And if you book in, we will set up some time and either online or in person, we will work together. I'm so excited to bring this beautiful offering to you. It's so wholesome. It's about reconnecting you to yourself because when we feel out of alignment, sometimes we can't feel our bodies. We're unsure what's going on with our energies. And I just feel like this is a beautiful way to kind of reconnect and restart it. You can also add on a cacao ceremony with it as well. That's an optional extra for anybody who is also feeling called to that. I also have one-to-one mentorships. So I have a few plans on this. We have the full accessibility plan. We have the accessibility plan. And then I have one-off mentoring calls. So with the full plan, you obviously get full access to me on a monthly basis. We have four weekly calls. 
uh, sorry, we have four calls weekly and you have access to me on WhatsApp. You also have access to a beautiful community portal so you can engage with other people who are all in this as well. I also then have on top of that the one-off call plan. So this is for somebody who feels that they don't need an actual coach but that they would like somebody to help them through a topic that either keeps coming up for them, they feel quite stuck on or maybe they just want another piece of awareness or perspective on it. So if you're feeling that you can also book in and I would love to speak with you beforehand. My last but definitely not least is my brand new eight-week program. It's called Ignite and this is juicy. It is going to ignite your soul. I am so excited to bring this to you. It is an eight-week online course for women. The idea behind it, my why behind it, is to build a community of women who can trust, support, hold each other in unconditional love, along with working through our different wounds, but mainly it will help us work through our sister wounds, our mother wounds, our feminine wounding. It is going to have sensuality, sexuality, we're going to work with cycle syncing, we will work with sacred rage, expression, it's just so much coming at us for the eight weeks. So if you're interested, please go to my website and you can have a look at some other details. My website details and my Instagram are in the bio in my podcast link. But yeah, now I'm going to let you get back to the podcast. If you want to reach out to me, feel free to send me an email or contact me on Instagram and I'd send you all my love. Thank you.